Welcome to Gateway Geek, a podcast for those wondering what this geek thing is all about. I'm your moderator, Jess Aducci. On this episode of Gateway Geek, we tackle an expansive topic perfect for new geeks, television. Today, we are with Brent Larson, screenwriter for Broken Phone Booth Productions. Hello. And we're with Tony Faith and Matt Goad of 30-something Digital. Hi. So let's jump right in. Television. When I started to think about it and make notes about geek television, I kind of had a hard time. Um, I think it might be because I hardly watch anything that's not considered geek TV or like something close to it. Um, And there's a lot of geek television out there these days. Just a place to begin here. Remember, we have a bunch of geek interested newbies listening. Um, People are trying to introduce to geekdom. So what are some obvious qualifiers for geek television? What sort of qualities or content do you think of when you think a television show is geeky? I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is anything that's like fantastic. So, you know, a zombie or a warlock or a space marine or, you know, like anything that's fantasy, sci-fi. Something that fits into a geek genre. You know, that's already like, so yeah, like you said, sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, I think you're right. That's the easiest denominator. Okay. You know, what's funny though is I, to spark my memory, I went to my TV DVD collection, which I've really cut down on to, you know, only the best to make it. I think Veronica Mars is a, um, Mm -hmm. is a geek show and not a warlock to be seen anywhere except for that one episode. And it was just role-playing if i recall so <laughs> is that because of uh pop culture references i've never really seen veronica mars but yeah. i understand it's a very like pop culture heavy show yeah um because i mean castle kind of falls into that category of it's definitely a crime procedural but it's mm-hmm. awful nerdy in its references so i feel like it just kind of gets looped in as geek tv is it like fringe geek Fringe is definitely geeky. I mean, no, I don't no, know. I don't mean the actual. Sorry, I don't mean the show. I mean oh, the, on the Fringe, <laughs> the, the show. I, I like, went there I didn't too. Know we were calling the question. Um, yeah, I would say maybe. I mean, if we're qualifying terminology, then we yeah. could fall back on other things we talked about. What makes them geeky? Um, again, with with television, there's that whole continuous narrative, like characters that you follow and grow. And you know, the more you're watching it, the more you learn. The more you you gather from it it's it's not just a one-off show where every episode could stand apart which can be a real problem for geek television because geek television requires commitment of viewership and that's really hard on tv because you you want to bring in new viewers you want to increase viewership yeah but a lot of i mean non-geeky and i just say that by kind of Mm -hmm. intuitive feel um non-geeky television is is just as serial it's just as you know, continuous as geeky shows. Are you thinking at like least your, in at least in like current or not current? Um, are you thinking in like your your Lost and like your your Prison Breaks and things like that? Or like your Blacklist is kind of the one I was thinking of. Mm. It's a great show. It's a lot continuous, of dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents like it, which almost immediately disqualifies it as a geek show in my mind. <laughs> so, well, then yeah. I think I think Matt's original definition is the one that, that really sticks the most. Anything fantastical, anything that falls into those genres that mm-hmm. we've named in previous podcasts as, you know, geek-related culture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's what's interesting to me about that, because I was kind of preparing myself for a similar conversation as we had when we were talking about movies, mm-hmm. which involved a lot more kind of feeling out the topic because genres just didn't do the job. Um, we had to, we, we qualified it with a few more things. So it's funny. I was kind of preparing myself for that, but here we are going, well, genres are fine. Yeah. But a movie usually stands alone, uh, Mm -hmm. by itself. A television show is part of a series. So it has to fall on genre. I think a bit harder Hmm. because it's, it's, it's gotta be something that you're familiar with and it's going to keep going and keep establishing. Okay. Yeah, All right. uh, you've got to write a concept out a lot longer in a TV show than a So movie. that genre that you might not feel as much or it might not have as much impact on you when you watch a movie, it's definitely going to have an impact on you as you watch a television show is what you guys are kind of saying. Well, what's funny, I think, is a television show 
is is a funny thing because it requires both less investment and more investment from someone. More investment and then you're putting a lot more time in it, but less in that it's there. Um, like I know people into their 50s who like The Flash. I would never call them geeks. And I wouldn't say they're necessarily fans either. They just watch it and they think it's a fun show. So it's almost like hmm. geek television more so than movies is something that you bring to it yourself. It's not something that necessarily is inherent in the show itself, unless you're talking something really more niche. But The Flash is CW, and they deliberately put in elements in all of their shows, whether they're geek-based or not, that is supposed to attract all kinds of crowds. I mean, that's why, like, some geeks may not like a show that has, like, a superhero in it, which seems like it should be geeky, because they see all those other tropes that are targeting the other audiences and it takes away from their experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I like the flash, but I, there are so many times in the flash and the arrow where they pause some really dramatic, like, you know, earth shattering combat or fight or real problems to have like just the most ridiculous emotional relationship issues between two characters that like, even in real life wouldn't make sense to me. Like, that's the fantastical part. The guy that runs, you know, faster than light, I can believe. But, you know, this whiny girl and this dopey guy having this discussion for five minutes in between all of that is the part where I'm just like, Ugh. Actually, I believe it is known in science as the CW effect. Ah. <laughs> I read it in a manual somewhere, I'm sure. I think they're allowed to own it. I'm ready to coin that right now, the CW effect. Just, like, kind of one last question on, you know, geek television or whatever. Is this maybe kind of hearkening back to the the first episode? Is is it a combination of the obsessions that people bring to it? So, Brent, that's kind of speaking to what you said as far as what we bring to the table. Someone could be a lot more casual with the same show, but geeks tend to obsess so we bring that obsession there um and is it a matter of quality storytelling and uh, that's going to be another cw debate but th those are kind of my two are, are those good qualifiers i think the obsession thing is a good indicator because i'm trying to think of a good example of a non-geeky show that anyone <clears throat> i mean this is like a weird deep cut but like jersey shore from several years ago people were really genuinely obsessed with that show yeah but i mean i think that was sort of a, an exception like in general yeah. well i don't know people get really obsessed with obsessed with a lot of reality shows like people really love survivor or they really love the bachelor but then or... let's look at that obsession the obsession you're talking about with those kinds of shows did they did they dive in and learn more about what's happening in the background or learn more about the history of what you know of the characters or in this case the real life people on the side do you know like in, in a in a more geek related show you know you get to know more about the writers and the creators and the actual like struggle the show has to stay on as well as the show itself there's also predictions of what's going to happen in the future of the show and what could happen and in reality mm -hmm. tv that's not I really mean, those predictions definitely occur in the reality world yeah there's forums for these shows on who's going to really? go home who's going to do this who's gonna... i mean the obsession is very real um and as far oh. as like the behind the scenes stuff I think there's definitely like a percentage of geekdom that does that for Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or whatever, but I don't know that that's necessarily representative of the of the whole of the geekdom. Like people watch Flash, but I don't think most people that watch Flash are going out of their way to learn about who's making the show and what's going on behind the scenes and are even really going out of their way to pick up a comic book. But I don't think that takes away from it being a geek show. One thing that I think does distinguish a geek show is it presents a world that uh, is is different from the one we live in. So you have fans of CSI and NCIS, but those represent the world theoretically we live in, even though everything gets summed up in 60 minutes or less. Right. Um, it still looks like something we know. I mean, even Blacklist with all its conspiracy theories, this and that. I mean, you know, they operate out of Washington, D.C., and you don't think, oh, I wonder if it's the Washington, D.C. of this world. You just think it's ours. That's why, like, I was thinking about it. Veronica Mars, and I don't want to harp on this all the time, but what's funny about that show is it didn't have any powers or super 
supernatural phenomena in sight, and yet it did have a world that was different from the one we lived in. It was this little beach community with all of this um, uh, class struggle and uh, just a lot of weirdness in the underbelly of, of the show. And as a result, that created a world that felt different from the one I lived in, and therefore it appealed to me as a geek. I was looking at it as something that I was going to every week as opposed to just watching, I guess, mm-hmm. which is a good point about the CW shows. I don't really ever <laughs> feel like I'm being immersed in what I'm watching. It's almost too bland, but I still watch it anyway. So what do you say? I think that kind of relates to the the idea of the fantastical element, like the shows taking place in, in worlds that are either wholly different or at least like, like Walking Dead, for instance, takes place in the real world but it's definitely a, a slightly altered version of our real world. And I think mm-hmm. to be a, an audience of these geek shows, a geek audience member, you've got to be able to take a world that says, what if something that isn't happening, that doesn't happen, happened, and now you watch that. And I think the people who aren't geeks are the people who can't make that leap and get into the show because they're like, well, that's not real. It's like, well, of course it's not real, but what if? Speculate, expand your mind. And there's some people that they just – they don't see the point in that. They don't understand that. And I'm not trying to talk down to them, but, you know, they're not geeks. Mm. Mm. All right. Now that we've alienated most of our audience, next question. <laughs> yes, and summed it all up in a <laughs> nutshell, yes. Yeah. <laughs> With y'all, all of y'all's talk about the CW and the particular way you're talking about the CW, I was going to apologize to the audience because I actually feel like the CW can be a good place to start, and it's where a lot of, like, casual agree. geeks go um the cw is a really good gateway yeah i would agree say. right right but it's just you with you guys talking about it what i was going to apologize for is not having someone on the panel mm-hmm. who was a little more casual friendly because <laughs> you guys are kind of hardcore so well what i would say to any any viewer is that and if you want to get into geek television especially, be ready to just understand there are going to be other people who don't like your show. There, I mean, I, I'm in comic book stores where some of the patrons are talking about their favorite TV shows and which ones they like and don't like. And they're, I mean, we watch all the same shows, but their preferences are flip-flopped and skewed in the other direction. And, you know, them can be fighting words. But, other, but mm. you know, you just got to keep a level head and be like, hey, this guy doesn't like my stuff. And he's very passionate about not liking it as much as I am about liking it. And that's going to be kind of that dynamic you're going to find yourself in when you start talking about geek television. Right. And I'll, I'll say myself, I watch enough shows on, on the CW to realize that even as I complain about them, I enjoy a lot of the content they put out. It almost makes up for Smallville. <laughs> almost. We'll make it around to Smallville. As long as we're qualifying, I don't watch anything on CW, so I have nothing to contribute in this regard. That's fine. I, Matt, I actually asked, asked you to be part of this partially because I feel like, and I could be wrong, I hope I'm not wrong, I feel like you watch a lot of the n- newer stuff that I honest, like I myself have not seen. So that's, that's a probably accurate statement. I mean, not anything that's on the CCW, but anything Apparently. else that's an accurate statement. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. Well, that makes it sound like I have a grudge against the CW. I really don't. No. I just, I just, I've tried watching just shows watch in the it. past and they just don't quite appeal to me. Last time we talked about movies and how geeks talk about movies. Um, are there differences in how a geek talks about television and how they talk about movies? Um, is there a difference between the movie geek and the TV geek? First of all, spoiler alert. Like, that's the biggest difference by far. Oh, well. Um, I think with movies, there's not as big of a of a, of a thing, like a, um, a stigma Contention. around the spoiler. I mean, because mm-hmm. if, if you don't see a movie opening weekend, then it's pretty much your fault. I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> with TV shows, there's like a really weird window that's agreed upon, especially with shows like Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, on like how how soon you're allowed to talk in public without being you know shamed for <laughs> for spoiling a show. I think that's and a nobody big adheres to it. No. Well, I mean, but it, what it, what is it? I mean, not to get. I don't want to get us off subject. That, but I'm just saying, like that window of time, that, that vague window. A, no one adheres not to an it. Upon time. Yeah, the unofficial <laughs> courtesy that is not shared, but but understood. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I don't think you, you talk about a movie geek and a TV geek. I think, first of all, it should be clear that that can be the same person. I don't know lots of oh, people of course. that just watch TV and don't watch movies. But I do think you're right, right that your, your dynamic shifts. Um, there seems to be – because TV shows a lot of times are paired up against each other or in competition with each other for ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, or if not, I mean even if they're just two types of shows that are the same, there's there can be like brand loyalty to a mm-hmm. show. Rivalries. Mm-hmm. You know, like Star Stargate versus your Battlestar Galactica or, you know, your Flash versus your Arrow even just because two different superheroes, which one's better? Which they're, they're two different types of shows. They have two different – I mean they have two different feels to them or they mm-hmm. used to. And, you know, I would talk to a guy who loved the Arrow but he wouldn't try the Flash. And, you know, I'd be like, no, the Flash is great. And, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, as great as the Arrow. And <laughs> I think people are also – As great as it can be. I think so there's a competition. Also more forgiving with television, like with movies. You know, you go see it. There's all there's hype. They advertise it for six, eight, nine, fourteen months. You finally go see it, and the general idea is like it was good or it was bad. Like for most people, right? Mm. With TV shows, it's like ah, uh, well, you know that that episode wasn't great, but you know I'll stick with it. See how it goes. Oh, they're developing this character now. I think you're just people are more forgiving of television shows especially in the geek world because you can forgive a string of bad episodes for one red wedding but you know one i'm trying to think of a a good one green lantern and then no one wants to see a superhero movie for a year (laughs) it's true well actually i mean we were talking before we started recording this about um about angel and talking about Oh, that whole season! Like we're we're that forgiving. Like an entire season could be, <laughs> especially kind of, kind of if bad. it's had success in the past. If you've had like two or three seasons yeah. that were good, and there was that one season, the the gas leak year, where you know, just... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, explain what you're talking about. <laughs> the gas leak season is from is a reference from the show Community, which kind of I would say is a geek show, but does but goes back to your Veronica Mars argument doesn't. Uh, doesn't have any of the qualities we're naming. It, it fits the quality of fantastic. Okay, okay. it does. It, 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 it's, right. it's not the real no, world. I'm community it, it is set in a fantastic. Yeah. It's set in a community college, and again, being a nerd, I kind of got involved in like the inner workings of the show and found out. Uh, actually, Matt, you're the one who told me, but in season four, they removed the creator from the show, and he actually didn't even know about it until he read about it on the internet. And, he started filming a season, and he was not involved. And yeah, he was he was kind of shocked, and his his vision for the show is kind of what kept it geeky, what kept it true to you know geekdom, and not you know just another sitcom. And mm-hmm. the fourth season suffered. He came back for the fifth, obviously, and but but in the show because the show likes to kind of poke fun at itself and be what they call meta. They referred to the year before as the gas leak year, meaning they did a lot of things that they're not going to touch on. They're not really going to talk about because most of it was lame. And the excuse was is there was a gas leak in the community college everywhere and they just acted weird. I mean, it was completely a goof, but it was but it became a, a staple like it was being referred to just like I did now. Yeah. And, and all of you laughed because you all it's knew entered that. the lexicon much like jumping the shark, I think. Like it's mm. it's a it's a it's a working terminology. But that does actually leak. touch on a point, and that is, I stuck with Community through the Gas Leak year. Me too. I stuck with Angel through season five, and the reason is because I loved these characters so much mm. that I I couldn't say no to them. I mean, they would have had to do a lot right. to make well, me and, stop and I, watching. I get defensive when you say that. It makes me feel like I've got to speak up and go. Well, I did too. Yeah, I'm hating on it, but of course I stuck with it. You get really defensive about your TV. Yeah, but that goes back to the point we were talking about. I think geeks are more forgiving of their television mm-hmm. than non-geeks. I think non-geeks, at the minute a show starts to wane, they they move on to the next show. The geeks are like, no, no, no. I love I love the guy that writes this show, or I love the actors that are on this show, and I, or I, you know what I mean. I love these characters, and I'm going to stick with it, even if it's gonna be bad for a little while it's just gonna be mm-hmm. hard tv to watch and seasons can go on <laughs> you know and go on so you may have years with this show i mean even non-geek shows like your mash and your cheers had like a following of people that just 
you fall in love with these characters it's like okay, they've been in your lives for so long and mm-hmm. in a geek show it's 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 even stronger because geek television is fragile it can be canceled at the drop of a hat and so you love these characters and they can be taken from you very mm-hmm. quickly tv can investigate uh, a character and do a character arc over years mm-hmm. that, a movie cannot do that which is why you have whenever you have a tv show that's spun off into a movie they have to change the entire dynamic of the story right. because mm-hmm. the, the character can't be the way it was in the show and it, it has to be completely reimagined or at least it needs to start from a place and go somewhere logically mm-hmm. compelling for a movie but Stargate. but with a show yeah <laughs> how many shows were there after stargate uh, there's 17 uh, seasons total i think is what we counted but uh yeah. counting all the <laughs> but but richard dean anderson's character who is the main character in the movie i think that was was that kurt russell yeah kurt russell's character was very stoic very quiet very mm, and richard dean anderson you know good old macgyver comes in and says if i'm gonna play this on a tv show he's he's got to have more than just mm, as his personality <laughs> it, it's not going to work for television so he kind of made him more of a like a smart ass, more of a joker, you know, still had that tough guy mentality, but he could cut wise. And that's what made it appealing. Yeah, exactly. Now, Tony, you mentioned something kind of interesting. The just how defensive geeks can be of oh, their yeah. television shows um, and of everything. But, but television is one that I think when you talked about getting into a geek conversation with television, mm-hmm. like. I think that you're going to you're going to find people can get a bit more defensive than they do about movies. Why do you think that is? Is it the, the investment characters? Yeah, the investment. Yeah, because you live with those characters for sometimes years on end. You feel mm-hmm. like they're friends and family. Of course, you're going to be defensive of them, even when they're bad. What show makes you sparkle? No, I'm just kidding. You just totally predicted my question. No. Um, how, how about we start with networks and stations that frequently have geeky content? So getting into the content portion, um, wh- where can newbies go to get their fill of geek TV? Yeah, it'd be really nice to just say sci-fi channel, but that's a <laughs> Explain why, Matt, because newbies don't know. Uh, in all seriousness though, they've, seriousness, though, sci-fi has kind of reinvented themselves again. They reinvented themselves like a decade ago as instead of sci-fi, the shortened version of science fiction, they became Sifi, S-Y-F-Y. I was and so they, hoping you'd say that. Totally like changed their programming and started doing all these like weird B monster of the week movies and airing wrestling and a bunch of reality shows. They just totally kind of, I guess, stayed sort of in the geeky realm, but really far outlier wait 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 wait. are you are you saying that wrestling is not sci-fi are you saying that sharknado is not quality television (laughs) i'm gonna barrel right through these because i'm gonna get to a point um so they they released the i guess president of the network i want to say like six months ago uh released a statement saying they were they were reinventing themselves again they were trying to get back to what they were originally working on, which was more like sci-fi fantasy content. And I think it's shown they did um, a show this last season called the expanse. That was just really, really good television, really good sci-fi. And Mm. it made me feel better about sci-fi again, which was nice. Mm. And that, yeah, that was, that was something when I mentioned that you watch newer stuff that I feel like there are a number of shows on sci-fi and maybe I'm getting them mixed up with other networks, come to think of it. But I feel like I, I thought there were. Well, they did Dark Matter and they did. Tony watched the Killjoy, I think. Yeah. I there were a few like r- kind of sci-fi shows they did, which was really refreshing. I didn't watch. I was going to say another station. If we're just listing stations and, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is a bittersweet note. But like Fox will tend to produce a lot of geeky things and immediately like they do with all their shows. As soon as it's not, you know, an Insta success, remove it. Uh, you know, we've talked about it multiple times, but one more time, Firefly, the martyr of all canceled, you know, geek shows is, Same you know, Firefly, <laughs> you know, is, is a really big one. But I mean, they also did Fringe and they saw, didn't they? Mm. Actually, they yeah, did Fringe, they did. but they didn't screw Fringe over, which was very nice. They, actually, they yeah, tried. They don't. Yeah, they don't always they do that. They, yeah, they, they gave Fringe. And this is, again, like I said, we're geeks. We've looked into how our shows are being created and what's happening, because if you just watch the show, you know, an actor leaves or gets killed off or it's suddenly canceled and you don't know why. It's like you want to keep tabs on it. 
and to keep tabs on your shows and what that station's doing with your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, AMC is a good one. AMC mm-hmm. does Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, they just recently started a show called Preacher, which is based on a graphic novel series. Oh, yeah. uh, I would consider it pretty geeky. I would kind of consider Breaking Bad kind of geeky in some ways because, again, of that, that fantasy element. I mean, it's this it's this world that we don't have experience with regularly, and it's heightened reality. It's definitely also, a fringe one. I was so quality. hoping you would say it's a world we don't live in because then I could say you were wrong. <laughs> Because you live in Albuquerque? Because I live nice. in Albuquerque. <laughs> Dope. Wait, I thought Albuquerque wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, I, I've made it up. I thought Albuquerque was a planet. Like, Tatooine. <laughs> but yeah, I would say AMC. I'm drawing a blank on some other shows, but AMC's got really quality programming that either fully exists in the geek sphere or is at least really on the skirts of it. Uh, Where else? HBO. I mean, you can't mm. leave out HBO. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, Game of Thrones, which is arguably one of the most popular geek shows around right now, as, as far as viewership. Anyway, mm-hmm. we've talked about it with the movies, though. How and you know, you could have it's the most popular, but and I'd say Game of Thrones is geeky, but you know, it doesn't mean that all geeks are watching it. Game of Thrones brings in the non-geek crowd, like even the casuals mm. crowd. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones does for fantasy what Battlestar Galactica did for sci-fi several years ago. It brings in the non-geek crowd because it it appeals to everyone with very just real storytelling. The characters are very relatable. Hmm. It's easier for that non-geek crowd to make that jump and go, oh, they have spaceships or they have swords and dragons because everything about it they can still connect with. Hmm. Right. I didn't know that about Battlestar Galactica. I mean, I can imagine it, but I wasn't yeah, I into mean, the show when I, it was on air. Mm-hmm. I think Battlestar Galactica was as popular as it was because it was it was sort of a like political thriller drama survival tale that also just happened to be on spaceships. Like it, it's not like a Star Trek show where the 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 drama is like dependent on the sci-fi elements. It's 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 more I don't know classic storytelling with sci-fi elements if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, kind of like Walking Dead is now. I'd probably say. Mm-hmm. So are there yeah. are there any other channels? I mean, we haven't. I mean, no. we've talked about CW the whole time, but we haven't explicitly said it in this list. Okay, well, yeah, definitely, definitely them, uh, CW. And I was going to say, like, I actually don't have uh, like a television. I have like a giant, I call it a giant monitor because I don't have dish or cable. I don't even have your basic five. I I figured out, I did the math and figured out it's cheaper to buy an episode of a show that I want to try out or wait for it to come on Netflix and watch it for free. It's, you know, it's cheaper to buy a season of a show from like an Amazon, Amazon and watch it digitally or iTunes and watch it digitally than to pay what is like the $60, $70 a month you are for like dish or cable. And then you have no commercials and then you're, you're getting it. If it's a new show, you can get it just as soon as it comes out uh, and you're not behind. So it's, you know, the stations may create some of the content, but they're also not the only ones anymore. Netflix is creating a lot of its own content, a lot of it nerdy. Uh, We were talking about community earlier. Yahoo picked up the last season of community season seven and or six, sorry, season six. And they, you know, and they ran it. Mm-hmm. Six seasons in a movie. I'm still waiting on that movie. But uh, but yeah. So it, it yeah. The stations may be one source. I know DVR. Like you talk about the death slot, but you know with DVRs and being able to record shows, things get watched a lot later. So even if it's not coming on at a time when you would normally watch TV, it can be. You know, it can still be like recorded and watched later. And and we've talked about before, like ratings now are starting to take that into account. We're talking about television, which naturally brings to our mind a lot of the things that we're talking about, the the uh, very particular networks, um, cable channels, all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess the question I have is, for instance, anime, it may not ever air on American television, but there's still television series, right? Well, and it's, it's very, it's extremely accessible to Americans, uh, most of it. You've got your sites like I'm subscribed to Crunchyroll, which is like the Netflix of anime, 
And, you know, Netflix itself is picking up, if not sponsoring, a lot of anime. And there were sites to see it and, and like, even before the internet, you know, and streaming video was a big thing, you could see it on some channels would do like your Dragon Ball Z's and your Sailor Moons and you can get it on VHS back when that was on VHS and DVD after. So it's, it is, I, I feel like it's accessible to the American audience. It definitely had to be pursued, especially when I was younger, you had to like know where to find it and know what to look for. And, and you, you only had like that one outlet. And nowadays I think you've got over, you know, because of streaming and, you know, things like that, you've got a lot of options for it. We haven't really talked about what makes a lot of the shows we like good. We've been talking about how they're made. Well, okay. The next couple of questions are my typical questions, which are what are a few of your favorites? And then what's something you would recommend like a, a new person absolutely has to watch. So I, I hope that it'll come through in that. Like, so as you talk about your favorites, please absolutely, you know, expand get on what into, makes them good. Yeah, yeah. Why why you guys like them. So, um we'll kind of round robin it like we do with the three favorites. So this is just favorites for you guys, um your personal favorites. Um not necessarily, I mean, if you want to recommend recommend them to a newbie, that's fantastic, but you know, it it doesn't necessarily have to be for the newbie yet. It's just things that you guys absolutely love. Okay. Who wants to start? I go last. That's I always go last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apparently we've established a pattern now that Tony's been on every episode. <laughs> I'll stop coming on when you stop asking. But that's also not true because you've got a couple I want to be on. I'll start, and I already mentioned it. Um, I'll fight anyone on this. I believe Veronica, Veronica Mars is a geek show and Nobody a fantastic one. My wife no way. Yeah, uh, so you, my wife's got your back on that one. She loves some Veronica Mars. She thinks it's a uh, total geeky. I actually need to get into it. I just keep forgetting about it. Well, and he is he is doing iZombie now, so I mean, he's kind of in the geek realm, so which has not grabbed me the way Veronica Mars did, and I can't tell you exactly why. And but uh, Veronica Mars was uh, it had a storytelling storytelling dynamic that I just found really compelling, uh, where you had a mystery of the week sort of, but you also had the ongoing mystery that uh, like people described it as Nancy Drew ish. I disagree. I think that was um frankly a little demeaning uh nancy drew is for preteen girls this show dealt with some very serious topics like class warfare uh and, and every week they would have something that made it relevant to what we were watching plus it was beautifully acted i remember there were times when i where something would happen to one of the characters and i would just be like ah. That kind of thing. You can't have that in bad television, in my opinion. Okay. So um, that would be my number one. All right. So are all three of your answers Veronica Mars? <laughs> no, no. I've got others. I have to say something. I have to I have to come up with something butch. But anyway, please continue. I don't know that you, don't know that you have to, but go on. Yeah, we're, we're geeks. I don't think that's expected in this stereotype. <laughs> You're in the you're in the wrong group for that. Yeah, you're right. Pro okay, football. Two, <laughs> um, I find My Pretty Pony to be very compelling. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, are we going to keep going around in a circle, just yes, or should we I are. just throw out all three? Eventually, okay, I'll stop talking. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Okay, um, so is it on to me now to pick one? God, this is this is really really hard. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I said this in the last episode when we were just talking about geekdom, the last episode that I was on, when we were just talking yeah. about geekdom in general, but I, I can't not say it again because I love it so much, but I'm going to group Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra together because sure. I just, both of those series are so good. At, they're just really quality shows. They definitely fall into geekdom, I think. Um they they work with characters. They work with writing, morality tales. They're beautiful. I mean, the the artwork in those shows are great. I can't, I don't know, I cannot say enough good things about those two shows. So there, I it's did it. in my top five. Absolutely. What I'm was like the it. second one that you grouped it with? I don't know if I've seen that one. Sorry, the Legend of Korra. Korra. 
the Legend of Korra, Legend of Korra was the follow-up series to Avatar: The Last Airbender. I've never seen that. It's the next generation. You should check it out. All right, Tony, what's your number one? All right, my my number one. I've talked about in pretty much every podcast now, uh, but I definitely want to talk about why I love it. I don't think I've done that, and that's uh, Firefly. Is mm-hmm. my first one. By the way, my criteria is for like these shows I'm listing here are shows that I will likely watch once a year. I will go through the show once a year because I enjoy it still. And I think that's a really important criteria. Maybe I don't always get to it because there's a lot of those shows, but mm-hmm. but the first one is definitely Firefly. I definitely, because it's only half a season long, I'm able to get to it every year. I've watched it every year with and without commentary on the Blu-ray. Um, I love it because... Well, first of all, I love it because the characters and it's specifically the captain and, you know, just his personality is one that I relate to very quickly. He's very loyal, very stubborn, very, you know, like I'm going to do what I think is right. Never mind the fact that everybody else around me thinks it's crazy or not right and and doesn't have a problem challenging authority. But the other things and that's not enough. The other things I love about the show are it's 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 humor and lightheartedness that can fluidly move to like something serious serious and heartwarming or intense and it doesn't skip a beat it doesn't rattle you it just keeps going and it impresses me i mean the first time i watched it oh and it loves to and this is mostly due to the creator uh joss whedon it loves to challenge the norm of what you expect in stereotypes there's you know spoiler alert there's an episode where you know they've had a fight with the bad guys you know they're trying to make peace with them now because they've won and you know he's telling the bad guy you know hey Let's just make peace. Let's just walk away from this and be cool. And the guy gets up and he's got like your your bad axe and he's a total cliche. But he goes, forget peace. Just watch your back all the time because one day you will see my blade. And he's like, darn. And he kicks the guy and the guy flies through the jet engine of their um, – like the turbine <laughs> engine of their spaceship. And he's eviscerated. And I just remember thinking while well, the, the villain was doing that whole – monologue that you that I'm going to kill you blah 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 and you're like oh my god how many times are we going to have to see this guy and how many times is he going to be a problem on the show and all predictable boom guy gets sucked <laughs> through an engine dead it's like <laughs> can he do that <laughs> and, and, and you would see that all the time on the show and other things like that that you're like can you do- what you just did not see that coming and and yeah, I kind of spoiled that one. Sorry, everyone. But there's I, there's so many, and you probably won't even see it coming because I was I did a horrible job reenacting that. So Firefly. No, you did great. Down. I felt like I was watching Firefly for the five hundred and thirty sixth time. Right. Okay, Tony, you bring up an interesting point in that the once a year rewatching and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I feel like I could add that to the list of what makes something geek television is the rewatchability of a lot of the shows that geeks are obsessed with because we're not going to rewatch them a billion times even the bad seasons which again is what I just did with Angel yeah. I rewatched a bad season um on purpose because, because you're living the on experience purpose. right um and and, and, and you want all of it yeah yeah so I, I think that should be that is just a little side note should be added to the list is um you know, a lot of these shows are watched over and over and over and over again. It doesn't mm. matter that they've gotten to season 12 of Supernatural. Guess what? People are going to rewatch it over and over and over again. Mm. You know? I also want to say Firefly is on Blu-ray and I believe Netflix. So just giving people a place to access. Let's check those sure, out. Sure. All right. Brent. Okay. My number two, uh, Angel. Nice. And uh, I'll is it, actually you, say... Is it really Angel? I thought season four was great. See, okay, that's that's fine. I don't want to have that debate here. It's fine. Oh, okay, I, and I but, like Angel. I liked it better this time than I did the first time. Okay, which is another reason to rewatch Geek Properties because you but, change. Oh, do you want to answer the question now, Jess? I'll shut just up. sit here and listen to you. How's that? <laughs> I am the moderator. I can tell you to shut up. Okay, right? fair enough. <laughs> okay, are talk you, are about Angel. Okay, okay, here talk. I go. Ready? Yes, my number two is Angel. Um, <clears throat> I've tried to figure out exactly why I love it so much, and I think it appeals to the um, the comic book side of me in that Buffy always – I loved Buffy, but Buffy always seemed like more of a self-contained 
This is a young woman coming into her own kind of story. Angel was always much more open-ended, which is kind of like what comic books are. I mean, Captain America will never die. This is the truth of things. And the fact that Angel, and I remember hearing Joss Whedon actually say he, he struggled with the character of Angel because he wasn't sure what Angel was really all about. And I actually I think I resonated with that. The idea that you just had this guy who had a very compelling backstory and a very compelling mission. Um, but what was going to happen next? I don't know. He could join a law firm in season five. He could find fight a big horny beast in number four. And, that's um, a beast with horns, everyone. Yes, that's right. Um, I was... I was suddenly feeling very interested in this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Angel was on at the on the WB I think at the time. So there were all like kinds of horny beasts all over the place, yeah. But uh anyway, uh Joss Whedon again um like Tony was saying, I I'm a huge fan. I don't think he's at he's really done wrong by me in any way. So I'll pretty much watch anything he does. Um, and but Angel, I always felt like was at the top of the list. Um, the scene where he and Buffy, uh, where he becomes human, it was in season one, and he and Buffy think they can be together, but in the end, he has to rewind time. That episode for me, I, I, I was so compelled by that scene, I would literally sit there and watch it over and over for like half an hour, and I couldn't understand why. <laughs> it was, it, it still stands out to me as is something that kind of just resonated in a way I can't explain. But anyway, so Angel, haha. I I should have expected that, but I did not. I'm glad you brought it up. You're welcome. What are you referring to exactly? <laughs> talking about Angel, but also talking about that one scene. That's that's interesting. I don't know that you've you've said that to me before that you watched it over and over and over again yeah you know i think i would probably consider myself somewhat emotionally stunted one of you guys was talking about um feeling something and being aware that you were feeling something shows like that episode did that to me where i was feeling something and then a part of me was outside myself going huh fascinating captain Thing seems to be reacting strongly to the stimuli he sees on screen. Yes, the fictional narrative is giving an actual emotional response. Yes, exactly. That's so red for Star Trek. <laughs> Thank you for going, Spock. And again, I'm surprised we haven't talked about Star Trek, but that's okay. I'm okay well, with it's that. It's funny that you say that because the next thing I was going to say was Star Trek. Yay! Please talk about it. Um, I'm going to continue continue my tradition of cheating and giving more than one answer at a time but like i can't i can't in good conscience pick a single star trek because they're all one thing to me kind of like mm -hmm. avatar and cora mm -hmm. um like i'm currently rewatching voyager for the third time right now i just finished watching deep space nine i'll probably watch enterprise again at some point i, don't, I just i love all of star trek um I don't know. What it's about kind it? of it's kind of the uh, the OG, the original gangster of of the sci-fi geekdom. Um, what about Star Trek? You asked. Well, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to put my finger on what it is about Star Trek, but I do know that um, part of it is that 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 utopic future that we don't get a lot of anymore in our science fiction and fantasy. Like everything's very dismal and dystopic. Um, I like, I like seeing this version of the future where humanity works together to explore and better themselves and discover new cool science things. Like I just watched a, an awesome episode of Voyager earlier today where seven of nine and uh, captain Catherine Janeway were just being the coolest science sisters and, you know, just learning. And I, I don't know. I, I, I want to be there. I want to be on the bridge of that starship with them just mm. doing all the science. And it's, mm -hmm. I like that Star Trek, unlike other sci-fi and fantasy shows, it's not as like battle oriented. I mean, there's definitely combat in the, in the show, but there's a lot of philosophy and, and I keep saying science cause I like science a lot, but um, yeah, Star Trek, all of it, the whole thing, all of the Star Trek. Fantastic. Hmm. I'm right there with you. Uh, Tony. 
All right. So, yeah, my second one, uh, this is another one I've been more recently watching every year. It's an anime called, it's going to be a mouthful, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And I have to, like, it's, it's, it's Full Metal Alchemist colon Brotherhood because the story goes is they originally made the show Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, the car, It was an anime, and animes are usually written based off of a manga, which is a you know, Japanese comic book, basically. Simple explanation. And mm-hmm. the writers of the manga kind of fell behind, and the TV show had to keep going, and they sort of just went with it. And originally, it kind of got a little weird. It was still good. Uh, there's talk about geek conversations. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like back and forth of which was better, the original show or the Brotherhood. I like Brotherhood as a complete narrative. It, it did go for I'd say what was effectively four se- seasons, and it told a complete story. And it's amazing, and I can watch it again and again. And it is not for children. Um, mm. It's an anime. It's a cartoon. There are some goofy, silly parts in it that that sometimes are just a little too much or over the top. I think it's part of the culture of anime that does mm-hmm. that. But it is not for children. My wife came in on the fourth episode when something pretty severe happened, and she just turned around and looked at me. And was like, that just happened. I was like, yeah. And she was glued. <laughs> and she after that, I wasn't allowed to watch it without her. Mm. I would watch the dub of that. I would watch the English voice actors dubbing over that versus mm-hmm. the subtitles specifically Absolutely. You, you start watching enough anime stuff you're going to start like knowing names of people whose faces you don't see because there's so many characters mm-hmm. and it's part of what makes it fun and that can mostly be found on netflix right now i think the last season's missing but it is available all on blu-ray and not too expensive so i would recommend picking it up all right um brent final final one number three Okay, let me preface this by saying I didn't know Community would be considered a geek show. Oh, yes, it is. Which is sucking. The because, council has decided. Yes, that is the one show I could probably watch every year. I can't. I can't. Mm. I just don't I watch have the it time multiple times to. a year. Just yeah. in the house. I just have it on in the house. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. It it is so good and. In every way, it it's awesome. But actually, I was going to say my number three would probably be Battlestar Galactica, okay. the new one. Okay. Um, I cannot remember the last time I watched a show that had me hooked from the get-go. I remember, uh, like, you may remember it started with a miniseries, which I thought was decent. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I can actually go for the show. So they had the first episode of the show, and it was the one where they had to jump every three. Uh, what was it, twenty three minutes or something like that? And the mm. reason was because the silence like 40, kept funny. I think it was like forty four minutes because I think it's the name yeah, the something episode. like that. I remember going, "What?" And they were so buzzing. They didn't. They weren't able to sleep. They weren't able to do anything. They just had to keep jumping and jumping. And I was like. Holy crap! That and sounds you say, like you say horrible. jumping, and I'm just imagining our newbie audience going, "Why were? They, why did they have to jump up and down? Why? What? So, what do you mean by jumping? Real quick." They had I'm a bouncy sorry. castle. I'm sorry, newbies. Yes, that's right. It was a large. Yes, um, that's how they they had to do like a hyper jump. I can't remember what they called it in the BSG universe, but uh, they had to hyper FTL. jump they to a new it place. FTL faster than FTL. Light. Yes. Okay. They. Um, You're with other nerds. They'll know. Okay. What they had to do was the these people were on the run from their uh, robotic nemesis, the Cylons, and they had to jump every whatever how many minutes it was, mm-hmm. or or else the Cylons would find them. So every twenty whatever was a forty four minutes every four, 44 minutes they had to jump, or else they would be found and destroyed. Now, I remember thinking in that moment that I had never felt such a visceral feeling of despair for these people mm. watching that episode. I mean, can you I, I literally cannot imagine how awful that would be. And that was what the first or second episode and I and I was hooked from then on. And they did lots of that in that show where like there was a an uh, there was an episode that was supposed to to be the culmination of all these plot points and it ended in absolute horror. Mm. And I remember thinking this the, the, it would be like finding out that heaven wasn't real in a weird way. And I remember thinking how how genius that is. Um, mm. As a storytelling mechanism, I don't know if I've seen anything 
like like it. I've never seen anything like it. How's that? Mm-hmm. So it was sci-fi at its best, which is to say it was emotionally visceral and punchy. And- By the way, Brent, I think this episode, this 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 conversation we're having is the most touchy feely I've ever heard you get. You know what's funny though? I don't I'm not sure why you feel that way, Jess. Because to be honest, I feel like if you don't have the touchy feeling, it's all a waste. Which I don't is hear why you I talk think- about it though. Well, this is great. It's about TV though that even in discussing it, you get emotional. Like that's and true. that's and as a geek, that's gotta be your connection is your emotions. That that seems to be the one connection all of us as geeks who love television are having more than we are with anything else we've talked about so far. Yeah. Agreed. I almost feel like if you don't have the emotional connection with the viewer, you can have as much interesting crap in there as you can shovel in, and it won't amount to anything. I think that basically amounts to what went wrong with Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman to an extent. Superman forgot to smile. Yeah. It was interesting and just kind of pointless. So, <laughs> All right, Matt. Last, last one. Your favorite. Ugh. Well, first of all, I'm disappointed in Brent because Battlestar Galactica was, in fact, going to be my answer for this. <laughs> I'm um, willing to share. It's okay. Um, so I'm just going to pull a deep cut. I'm going to pull a weird one. Uh, ABC had a show about six years ago, I think. It was called Defying Gravity. I don't know if anybody actually watched it. It did not awesome. last very long. Huh. Um, Somebody did. It was this kind of weird thing they did that had this really great cast. Ron Livingston was in it and some other people I can't think of right now, but it had a good cast. It was very, it kind of had the Firefly problem where it was poorly advertised. Um, It was called Grey's Anatomy in Space. And the truth was it sort of kind of a little bit was Grey's Anatomy in Space, but it was really just this really interesting mission where a group of astronauts from Earth are doing a tour of our solar system. So they're visiting every single planet. And this really interesting mystery starts happening. There's this entity on board that has this mystery surrounding it. It's very interesting. Anyways, they didn't get out of their first season, much like Firefly. They got canceled before they even got to finish their first thought. Uh, But one thing I like to point out about this show is that even though it did not finish, uh, about two years later, the creators of the show in a panel for something entirely different were asked about where this show would have gone. And they outlined, because by that point they were like, well, we're never going to get a movie. We're never going to get anything. So they outlined what was going to happen with all the characters. And just reading that interview was so fascinating and interesting. Mm -hmm. But anyways, that show has always kind of stuck with me because it's yet another example of a science fiction television show on a major network that just wasn't given a real chance to come into its own. And it had amazing production value. Um, it was written really strong. I don't know. It's a great show. And I'm kind of bummed at just talking about it right now. Okay. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> when I'm going to have to check out, I feel yes. like. That, that sounds right up my alley. Uh, Tony, your third one. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and name this really fast so you don't choke me. Um, Farscape. Yes, there's a show, my favorite show, (laughs) Farscape, and I know you're a big fan of this show, and you're always wondering, you're always giving me crap for never mentioning it. Um, Farscape is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and I don't mention it a lot because I feel like I connect with it really well, and a lot of other people didn't, and that was sort of their problem. don't mention it a lot? (laughs) I feel like you talk about it all the time. Well, it's to you. I just see you too much. Um, the things I like about Farscape, first of all, it was produced by the Jim Henson Company. Um, I learned I, – I am a fan of Muppets. I love the Muppets. I hold true to the thing that you know the Muppet you know, community does, which is treat them like they're real because in my mind they aren't real. Kermit is a real being. There's Kermit the Frog and I'd love to meet him one day. Uh, I love that. I love the innocence of that and everything they stand for. But I also think Muppets are creative in the way they're made and the way they're built and the way that you're watching this Muppet and eventually, you know, at least I'm able to associate with it and see it as a being and, and really defend that, you know, not as just, you know, some prop. And so now Jim Henson Company decided to make a sci-fi I, I I found out about it after it was all done. I didn't even know it existed until it was done, and I dove on it. I got the DVDs, 
and I watched all of it. And I'll admit it was a little kind of rocky in the beginning. You weren't really sure where it was going or what it was doing, but it didn't either. And by the end of the first season, I was hooked. Um, Aside from having fun sci-fi type characters, I mean, you had like your kind of cliches, but they sort of went off the cliche. Like your big heavy muscle guy was also the guy who would go drink and party and, you know, hook up with all the space babes. And it was just, but it, but it was, it had deeper like meanings between all of it. And you're, you're looking at Muppets. You're looking at half the cast was Muppets or people in costume. And it was amazing what they did physically. It wasn't just CGI, mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that, but the, it's like they put it on set and people were acting to it. And the actors will tell you how like they just start to think it's real. Mm-hmm. And that was so impressive. Mm-hmm. But the, but my favorite part about it, the show, the thing that really kept me going, again, aside from having like a character who I relate with, which is the main character again, who is basically he's, he's a human that gets lost in space. Uh, no pun intended. And is, <laughs> you know, kind of with this mishmash of different aliens. And as they're going around, he's actually kind of the most useless. He's, you know, his, you know, the, the physique of all the other aliens is better. There's better warriors. There's people who are smarter, people who are more spiritual, you know, he, but, but for some reason they always kind of listen to him because he's sort of a goof and he sort of just bumbles his way through. And I kind of, you know, resonate with that. It's like, oh, you're sort of just, you know, making it up as you go. And, you, you know, you're kind of a klutz, but you figure it out. And and they're not ashamed to do that. And that's their main character. It was it was a very interesting show in that it was, you know, written and created by two Americans, filmed in Australia, Sydney, Australia, with with a mix of Australian and British cast or cast and crew. Mm-hmm. But I also won't recommend it to anyone anymore because they end up kind of trailing out. And I'm like, no, no, if you would just watch like 19 episodes of this, you would be great. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, they're not like your 30 minute episodes. They're like, you know, 44, 46 minute episodes. So it's, it's asking a lot of somebody. Right. So, uh, what are y'all's recommendations to newbies? And I just, I want one ultimate recommendation of, of something that, you know, obviously is geeky, um, but something that, that they'll have an easier time getting into and appreciating. Now, should I say one that I haven't said yet or, um... if, if you do name one that you've named before, specifically say why it's good for new people. Okay. Let me throw out a dark horse here. The (laughs) X-Files. Okay. Um, for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, it's on Netflix, uh-huh. and uh, the characters have been around for long enough that they are kind of iconic, and they have started making new ones. Uh-huh. So um, you, in a way, get to experience, if you start off from scratch, you get to see where it all came from. You get to see a show that started to change, in my opinion, the landscape of television by making it more with a cinematic sensibility, more than I'd ever seen until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to uh, see a show that is considered one of the the big ones of the 90s um, for the whole decade. But you also get to see a show that basically has it all. It's got horror. It's got some serious humor. It's got a huge convoluted mess of uh, conspiracy theory, which in a way makes it more fun, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, yeah, um, I, I think that would be a good one. When uh, when the new season aired recently, uh, Huffington Post actually did a, an article that was like 22 must-watch episodes, and mm-hmm. I had never really watched the entire 10 seasons of that show. So I just went through and watched those 22 episodes and the movies, and I felt like I got everything I needed to watch the new season, which was surprisingly really, really good. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've only gotten about halfway through because we have to watch it with our neighbors. Uh, it's It's a pact we have. But uh, anyway, I'm familiar with. Oh, hey, that's another uh, another thing we can add to the list of geek television is a lot of times people get together to watch episodes. Group viewing. Yeah. Sunday night. Game of Thrones. Matt, what would you recommend to a newbie? Okay, so I would normally say Firefly, but a I think I said that in the last episode that I was on with you. So you did not going to do it again, but I can't emphasize enough how much of a good starter geek property that is because it's so like digestible 
Sure. But I'm going to go with another Fox show that we already talked about this episode, which is Fringe. Um, mm. I think Fringe really? is a really good... It's almost like Brent's answer, to be honest, because Fringe was very much like a reimagining of X-Files in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But what I like about Fringe as a like entry-level geek TV show is it starts off more like a, a crime procedural that a lot of people are used to seeing on, I don't know, CSI or Law & Order or any of those cop shows, you know? Uh, but this mythos starts to develop, again, much like X-Files, um, over the show, you start to get really invested in the characters, both the main characters and the supporting characters. Man, it is a lot like X Files, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but in but a yeah, really if X Files feels too dated for you, then maybe just try Fringe on for size. Fringe is great. I've gotten it's one of the few shows that I've managed to like hook some lesser geeks onto because it's 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 a very accessible show. And it's pretty mm-hmm. digestible. It's only four or five seasons. Five seasons. So, but yeah, that's my answer. That's Fringe. a that's a great suggestion. It's one of my favorites. One thing I loved about Fringe was you could almost see the producers and or rather the network going, "Okay, this is not hitting our demographic. We should probably shelve it." So, guys, get ready to be canceled. And the creators saying, "Oh yeah, well then we're going to do whatever we want." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would agree with and that. It worked. I would totally agree with that. Uh, Tony. Uh, if I'm going to recommend something, I want to recommend something that's still going, which just because I feel like if if you're new and you're getting into things, start with what's current. And then if you're really feeling jazzy, go back. Okay. And so I'm going to recommend what is probably one of my favorite running TV shows right now. And that's Gotham. Hmm. Okay. What I like about Gotham. Well, it's okay. So Gotham, just a quick backstory is Gotham City. Gotham City is like Batman's Gotham City. So kind of based from the comic book world, it's set in a time before Batman was Batman. In fact, he's he's Bruce Wayne and he's like a 14 year old kid. And, you know, so his parents just died. The whole the whole like road to him becoming Batman has just started. And that's not even really the focus of the show. The The focus starts with Jim Gordon, the police commissioner in Gotham City, as you know, Batman. But right now he's the newbie. Everybody's kind of the newbie. Um and you kind of see like their imagining of the origins of things. And at first, you know, I was kind of hesitant because when you go messing with the origins of things, it's not going to be canon with the comic books or something else. You start to get that, ugh, this is wrong. But but they deliver. And what I mean is is you've got really compelling characters and stories that are happening each episode. Uh, maybe it takes about three to four to really just grab you. But even in the first episode, I was watching, I'm like, there's nothing bad about this. There's nothing wrong. These are interesting characters. I'll keep keep going give it a shot um one of the things i like about it is that every character's motivation seems to be valid to me there's not somebody who's going to go off and do something for the sake of setting up the next plot point they're you know they're very believable most of the time or as much as television can really do Uh, i think they sell it the other thing is the performances are gold i'm not a big fan of child actors i mean no, no offense to them but it just usually bores me the kid who plays bruce wayne I mean, the very first scene, you know, spoiler alert, his parents get shot right in front of him. I mean, he just breaks down. I was just like, whoa. Like, because hmm. you've seen, if, if you if you follow anything, Batman, movies, television, comic books, cartoons, you've seen that scene so many times. Mm-hmm. You know, even the new Batman v Superman movie had to show us that scene again in case you forgot. The pearls are going to fall. It's going to leave, like, mental scars in his brain. His parents die. You see it again, and this kid just loses it. And I was like, wow, like I haven't done that about that scene in forever. So that was just like, wow, they they did this uh, kind of up and coming actor. Robin Lord Taylor plays a young version of the penguin and kind of he where how he starts out as a penguin. He becomes one of those villains that you just root for because he's he, he's his own worst enemy in a lot of ways. And he is bad. But at the same time, you sort of just can't help but love him. And I, I can't ever think of a time where I, I felt like I loved the Penguin. And it's like, oh, no, <laughs> I do. And, and it's, it's great. It starts off very kind of more just like a detective show, not very mm-hmm. supernatural, not very kind of Batman-y. Uh, and, it, and it ramps up. So Gotham, pick it up. First season's on Netflix. All right. Well, and... Um... That about wraps it up for us. Period. Um, we've <laughs> What's kind our of, recap? 
<laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my notes going. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so as far as what, what makes geek TV, um, we, we've got, you know, the obvious genre, the fantastic, the sci-fi nature of it. Um, there's certainly an element of obsession, even though Matt, you made a great point about reality television because a lot of these things bleed over into people that love reality television, um, including the group viewing, um, multiple viewings, maybe not so much, but, uh, geeks definitely love to view their stuff over and over and over again. Um, usually involves a different world and, uh, really requires a suspension of belief. Uh, a few fun things that you'll hear geeks talking about, or just you'll hear in the conversation, spoiler alert, um, uh, certain brand loyalty. If you bring up Fox in a group of geeks, they will kill you. Um, usually we're forgiving. I bring that up right before I mentioned forgiving and, uh, but we are defensive <laughs> of our television. Brutally not kill. Don't, okay. That's don't true. Don't exaggerate. That's true. Okay. <laughs> good, good call. Very good call. Um, Actually, speaking of which, that's one of the channels you can watch. We mentioned Sci-Fi, Fox, AMC, HBO, CW. Um, there are probably more, and Tony made a great point in in uh, pointing out that a lot of the paid television uh, outlets uh, like Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, um, and Crunchyroll um, all offer geek television on demand. And they all made really great suggestions, which will be on the website, um, available. Everything will be linked. Everything we mentioned will be linked. It's a fun little exercise for me. It ends up usually being a large block of text, all linked. So thank you guys so much for talking about television. This, this is only the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg of television. I'm sure you guys would agree. Um, oh, yeah. So nope, I think definitely. we talked about all of it. I think we got all the television <laughs> taken care of. There's that one thing. That's what you said about geekdom too, Matt. We totally covered it. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys for, for talking through the tip of the iceberg. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next time. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Jess. See you later. Thanks for listening to another podcast of Gateway Geek. You can find links to everything we mentioned, yes, everything, on our website, entergatewaygeek.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for geeking out. <laughs>